It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Now that I've seen him play, um, I feel like people have focused now the last couple of years on everything Andrew can't do. Mm-hmm but they've forgotten all the things that he can do. So he's one of those guys who he's, uh, people have said he's overrated now for a couple of years and, and he's, he's become underrated because you look at what he does, you look at his size, you look at um, the way he defends. Guy's a damn good NBA player. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News, and I am joined today by Charles T. Hamilton, who we're happy to have on this show because there's a lot to talk about right now, Charles. We are uh, on the heels of the Warriors' loss to the Rockets, and we can talk about that a little bit, but I'm more interested in Steve Kerr's comments after the game, praising Andrew Wiggins. In fact, going as far as to say that Andrew Wiggins is underrated now I don't know if I'm quite there yet uh it's been four games but I I can say this pretty confidently this is obviously a better fit for Andrew Wiggins and he's going to be better in this situation than he was in Minnesota and this fresh start for him does seem to have given him new life and I think people are maybe he is on the road to being maybe appreciated more and uh sort of uh shedding the bad reputation that followed him during his time with the Timberwolves. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. He got crushed in, look, somewhat fairly, I guess, for his time in, sure. in Minnesota. He has his flaws. But at the same time, he's not going to be asked to be the number one or number two with the Warriors. And he has shown through four games that he there's a reason why he went number one. You know, there's a reason why he got that max contract. Now, he probably will never live up to a max contract, but they're not asking him to be a max contract player in Golden State. And it, it it's the Twitter NBA meme culture, et cetera, where, oh, the Jimmy Butler story comes out and it's fun to make fun of Andrew Wiggins and stuff like that. But if you actually, and I guarantee most of these people on Twitter making fun of him have watched maybe one or two national games that he's been on. They, they, they haven't watched him closely and look I was part of that too I I didn't you know clown him like other people did but I hadn't seen a ton of his game I had just heard that oh he's you know doesn't love basketball and isn't reaching his potential etc but I think from what we've seen through the first four games it's gone really well uh, for him with the Warriors he's been solid defensively his awareness seems pretty good He, he doesn't seem like a a lost guy out there and of course, you know, this is a different situation than it will be next year uh, with Steph and Clay back and, you know, working them all in together. But I agree with Steve Kerr, oddly enough, that maybe he is a little underrated at this point because not only all the stuff I mentioned, but once a guy gets paid or overpaid, for some reason, the thought about someone that's overpaid is they're useless. It's not the case. It's just that they're making more money than they're probably worth. So what if he was making 18 million? 
would that be more, uh, you know, a, a better pay scale for him? Would he be clowned the same way that he is now or looked at the same way he's now? So I'm, I'm with Steve Kerr on this one. I think he is a little underrated at this point. It's only been four games with the Warriors, yeah. but through four games, I, I agree. I, I think to the point of, you know, being paid, it's all sort of contextual. Like, is he overpaid? Yeah, he is. He's not worth what he's making right now. But if you look at the rest of this roster, you could argue he's the only overpaid player on the roster. I, you could argue that maybe Kevon Looney is, just given the fact that he hasn't played, but he's only making $5 bucks, so I'm not that worried about it. Uh, but Steph Curry is going to be the highest paid player in the league next year, and you could argue that he's mm-hmm. underpaid because of everything that he brings exactly. to the table. Clay Thompson... Uh, max contract guy, you could argue that he's underpaid. I mean, Daryl Morey says over and over and over again, a max player who is worth, who is actually a max player is the biggest asset in basketball because there is literally a cap to what you could pay them. There is a maximum salary. And some of these guys like Steph Curry and LeBron James, you could pay them a hundred million dollars a year and they'd still probably be underpaid. Right. So, uh, and then with Draymond Green, he's making 18 million a year. And look, I know he's maybe the worst offensive player in the game, but everything else he brings to the table is really damn good. And I, I think he's when he's at his apex, he's worth more than $18 million. So it's, if you're doing that and you've got your Eric Pascals on these like second-round contracts and, and things like that, then, yeah, I think you could afford one guy being overpaid. And if it's Andrew Wiggins, so be it, because he does seem to be a natural fit in a way that D'Angelo Russell wasn't. And I do think still that D'Angelo Russell is probably a better basketball player right now than Andrew Wiggins is. But Wiggins increases this team's ceiling in a way that Russell could not because of just the skill overlap with him. Uh, and defensively, I mean, he made a play that almost made me fall out of my chair on press row last night against the Rockets. He was pinned down against a screen on P.J. Tucker. And we know P.J. Tucker is one of the better screeners in the game. He's one of those strongest guys in the game. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a middle linebacker playing power forward, now center for the Houston Rockets. Just complete. And Wiggins, we know, is not a strong guy he's long he's lengthy he's athletic but I don't consider him as I'm not I'm not looking at him as the guy who's like putting the record up in the on the bench press you know what I mean so (laughs) I he gets he he gets caught on the screen against PJ Tucker James Harden has the ball right above the arc where he likes to you know take his step back three-pointer and on a screen that most people would have died on Andrew Wiggins somehow just gets off the screen and just sort of reappears right in front of James Harden and in time to contest his shot. He was maybe eight, nine feet away from Harden when Harden was getting his gather and somehow did a, got in front of him, got a hand in his face, and Harden missed the shot. That is a play that few players in the league can make. That is rare. And I, 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 I highlighted it with screenshots and stuff in my takeaways from the game, but it, it's a thing that you see guys like Kawhi Leonard do, and that's not hyperbole, man. That is... That is the facts. And if he can make plays like that relatively consistently, then the Warriors really have something there defensively. Yeah, the lack of effort that we heard about in Minnesota has not been a problem for the Warriors. And hopefully that continues. And you talked about his defense. I think he's a guy who might have heard what people have been saying and is motivated to show that it's not true and that he was, you know, potentially worthy of that number one pick. You know, these guys have a lot of pride. I don't think he's a guy who is just happy to get that max contract and pretty much call it a career. I think he's a competitor. He's still young. And as far as the contract goes also, even though he is overpaid, we could see next year, not that he'll be a 25-point scorer, but in the Warrior system, he might not be overpaid because of how important he is at the small forward position for this team. 
he he people tend to look at the stats with him, right? But yeah, I think that's a really good point. If he could just be if he could he's got the potential to be an elite defender. I don't that oh, again, yeah. not hyperbole, not exaggerating. He does have all of the tools. So if he could just do that, if he could be that, maybe he's not overpaid. I mean, you know, you don't want to pay that much for just a defender, but he's not like a non-factor on offense either. This isn't like Marcus Smart or Matisse Teibel we're talking about. This is a guy who yeah, has right. consistently put up 20 points per game. And then maybe, look, if that goes down to 17, 18 points per game and his defense goes to this sort of level consistently, like just the level we've seen the last four games, if it gets to that level, they have slotted him against LeBron, Jimmy Butler, Devin Booker, James Harden. If he could do that next to a guy like Clay Thompson, that's huge. You mentioned there uh, the pride he has in being a top overall pick and some, some of the – about that. Uh, as well. But first, this spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training with amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventures, and incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. 10 stadiums, 15 Major League Baseball teams, and 75 degree temperatures. If you've ever been to spring training, you know it gives you a great opportunity to meet the players and get autographs before the game. Then after the games, check out the amazing restaurants and bars nearby. Plus, Arizona is known for its incredible landscapes and thrilling outdoor adventures. When you're not at the games, go on hikes, hot air balloon hot air balloon rides, or even jet skiing. Or just take in that beautiful Arizona sunset. No matter what you do, Arizona has you covered. And if you're bringing the kids along, Arizona is a fantastic destination for families with family-friendly resorts and hotels that offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages. From water parks to horseback rides to games and organized activities. So plan your spring training getaway at Arizona.com slash spring training. That's Arizona.com slash spring training. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, Charles, you mentioned the uh, criticism that Andrew Wiggins has come under. And look, I, it's, it was fair to a point, right? If you're the Timberwolves, you draft him number one overall. Not only – well, you don't draft him number one overall. More so, you trade Kevin Love, a franchise centerpiece, to the Cavaliers to get Andrew Wiggins. He's supposed to be this guy who uh, breaks the cycle of, no, you know, no playoff season since Kevin Garnett left and all these things and doesn't really – uh, deliver on that but maybe you know being the number one pick there's a lot of expectations heaped onto that and and you could still be a quality player even if you're even if you don't necessarily meet the expectations of your draft slot and one thing that Eric Pascal said uh, after the Rockets game and I'm going to quote him here one thing I don't like is people automatically thinking he wasn't good he averaged 20 points a game the kid's really good uh, he's been play- he's been playing well for the past two years. He was rookie of the year. It's his sixth year, and he's averaged twenty his whole career. So no surprise over here. And we've heard things like that from Eric Pascal, Draymond Green, Steve Kerr, and things like that. They are sort of creating a buffer, I guess, for Andrew Wiggins and that criticism. And I do think that you know, had Wiggins gotten traded to I don't know, let's say the Sacramento Kings, not to always pick on the Sacramento Kings every time you're on the show, but. Uh, you know, getting traded to a place like Golden State, this is a huge reclamation project for them. Uh, mm. But they've done it with guys like Marquise Chris already this year. I, I do. I, I think this sort of atmosphere, this sort of organizational structure and fortitude 
only will help Andrew Wiggins sort of uh, get shielded from all these things and just focus on what he needs to do. And he's what he needs to do is just play a very simple role, hit open threes, run the floor, play defense. Exactly. I mean, a couple of things. One, you mentioned the Marquise Chris uh, reclamation. I, I love what the Warriors have been doing this year is finding, you know, top 10 talents that have flamed out in their original uh you know, original uh, homes or whatever. Marquise Chris has worked out. You know, they just signed Dragon Bender. Who knows what will happen? Because it's not going to always work. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is kind of a different level of that because he's obviously 20-point scorer. But instead of trying to just find diamonds in the rough like Kai Bowman and Damian Lee, well, these guys were top 10 picks for a reason. These guys have talent, uh, raw talent maybe. Or maybe they just, you know, the pressure of being the, the top 10 pick in Phoenix or – uh, well, both of them were from Phoenix, <laughs> yeah. Chris and Bender. But, uh, you know, the, the pressure of trying to revive a, a, an entire franchise was too much, but they could be a role player on a good team. So I love the way that they're doing that uh, so far. And then as far as Wiggins goes, you know, you talked about 20-point score, even if it's 17 or something. And an efficient 17 from Andrew Wiggins would be as, as, as exactly what the Warriors need. And then on top of that, I think he realizes that it's his role is to be a high-level role player, not the guy that saves the franchise. Like you said, defend, knock down threes, get a bucket on your own every once in a while. Would like to see him rebound a little better, but that just might be a flaw in his game that he doesn't have. But still, it's, it's such a different role for him than, than what he had in Minnesota, and I think it's one that he can fill really well. Let's kind of pivot for a second because you talked about Dragon Bender there and just the fact that, you know, they, they obviously signed Dragon Bender to a 10-day contract. So who knows if he'll ever really even play a significant role with the Warriors or if he'll even get signed to a second 10-day contract. But this mm. strategy of, hey, let's go grab a guy who completely flamed out. He was on the fringe of the NBA. I mean, he was almost about to play in Russia, Dragon Bender was, before getting signed to Milwaukee. Uh, and Milwaukee, of course, waived him, making room for Marvin Williams. Warriors scoop him up. What do you think of that strategy overall? Because this is not new for the Warriors. I mean, to it, it they, it's all different shades of the same thing. But even going and get, from getting a guy like Kevin Durant saying, this guy is just super talented, we need him, and just going after it, where they could have just stood pat with the roster they had, to DeMarcus Cousins coming off the Achilles, but hey, he wants to come here, he's super talented, let's just go grab it and figure it out. Marquise Chris, same thing, let's go grab him and figure it out. So Dragon Bender is a very you know different shade of all that, but it's still on the same color spectrum, so to speak. What do you think about their strategy uh, as far as maybe using these 10 days to, to get guys like that and just see what they have? I, I'm intrigued by it. I like it. Um, I, you know, I like Zach Norvell as a player. I'm a little upset they didn't resign. doesn't mean they can't get him back or anything. But, uh, you know, the, the fact that they're giving these guys a shot, because who knows, maybe Zach Norvell does have a roster spot next year that he wouldn't have had if they're not giving them these 10-day tryouts. Uh, and then as far as the, the guys like Bender, again, like, like you said, who knows if they'll even get a minute of playing time or a second 10-day contract or anything. But the guy was, what, fourth overall for a reason. And, again, maybe the pressure yeah. of reviving a franchise is too much. And maybe that he's never been capable of doing that. But is he capable of being a, you know, stretch four, stretch five, shooting threes? Like, if you can get that out of him, then fantastic. That's something that – other teams still haven't been able to get out of them. So it's worth a look. And I, I like the fact that they're giving these 
lottery picks, guys with clear talent, at least an opportunity because, look, I love when you find a, a, a Kai Bowman, a uh, Quinn Cook, Damian Lee, you know, guys on the real fringes of the, the NBA fighting their way to get in, but there's only so many of them. You're not going to have an entire bench of undrafted players. So you got to look, you know, in other avenues. And, and I think this is a, a pretty smart one for, uh, for the Warriors. Yeah, I, I think you just nailed it there. I mean, this is a project in finding who player 14 and player 15 are, not necessarily who players 7, 8, and 9 are, right? Uh, and so I think that is uh, – that's like, if you could just get a guy at that level, um, you know, on a minimum contract who has some talent and can just – like you literally – all you're asking for, if it's Dragomander or otherwise, all you're asking for from that player is to step up when a couple of guys are injured, like in the very – the worst dog days of the regular season, and literally just make – just score 10 to 12 important buckets a season. That's it. Points, yeah. not even buckets. 10 to 12 important points a season. That is all you need from those guys. And if maybe Bender can do that or, you know, whoever the Bender is ultimately on this roster, if that player could do that, uh, then that's all you really need from that guy. Uh, and, and, you know, of course you want, you know, maybe that guy is either young and has some potential to eventually become, right, you know, go from player 14 to 15 to go to player 10, 9, something like that. Or you're using that 14th and 15th spot on a veteran who has a locker room presence about him and can, you know, kind of off the court be a contributor more so than on the court. And that's sort of what they've done over the last few years. And it does seem like they're pivoting to, okay, we our, our locker room is strong enough. It's solid enough. And our infrastructure, we trust it. Our culture, we trust it. We don't need more, you know, quote unquote, positive locker room presences in the locker room. We have enough. Our leaders are that. Steve Kerr is that. So let's use these final spots then to mine some players and find some talent and maybe develop some guys. And to me, I think that's really smart. I, I do think that that's a really yeah. intelligent way to go. And I, even before Steph's injury, they, they had forecasted that that was their plan. They, they didn't suddenly just get young. They planned to get young. They let Andre Iguodala walk. They let Sean Livingston walk, right? And they, you look at this roster, injured or not, and it's young either way. So this does seem to be the plan going forward. Yeah, Steph, Clay, and Draymond are at the point in their careers where they can be the locker room leaders. They're all 30 or reaching 30. You know, they've all been around long enough. They all have the gravitas of being three-time champions. Steph's two-time MVP. We all know their accolades. So they are at the point where they can be the leader. You bring in another vet, that's fine. But you're not looking for specifically that leadership. You know, David West, not to minimize what he did on the court, he was a huge part of two championships. A big part of him being there was to, to lead these guys, to be part, to, well, mostly to be in Draymond's ear to tell him to relax at times. But that was part of it, was him to come in and be the, you know, 12, 15, however many years it was, vet who could, you know, tell these guys a loss isn't the biggest deal, et cetera. So I agree with you. I think it's a much smarter way to handle the back end of your roster to try and develop players than it is to, you know, have a, a quote-unquote leadership role or anything like that. I think at this point you're developing and then any other roster spot you're giving away, it needs to be for on-court talent. Um, any leadership that they bring is a bonus, but you have the leaders in place already. And to be clear, I, th I do think that they're going to make some additions this summer that are yeah. going to be more established players, right? So, if to, but that's, you know, players seven through nine, seven through 10, that's kind of what you're looking for. Um, but yeah, I mean, the back end of the roster is what we're really talking about here. One important player also to watch these next 26 games, 
Jordan Poole, who has played at point guard the last two mm-hmm. games. We're going to talk about that here. But first, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all of the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Warriors is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Warriors fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Warriors fans who are well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Available in three colors, its thin light design, built-in HD camera, and touchscreen turns any space into your workspace. More at surface.com slash laptop go. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jordan Poole has started the last two games at point guard, and I think that the results have been encouraging. I, I don't think he's your starting point guard by any stretch, like not just for the Warriors, but just any NBA team. I, I don't. He's not quite there. And he's he's fortunate to have Draymond Green really running the offense and just at least flanking him and being able to point him in the right direction. Actual basketball feel, that's what you're really looking for at this stage of being a point guard. He has it, Charles. And I've been really impressed by what I've seen, not just these last two games, but overall just from his playmaking ability. No question. I mean, his highlight tape in college, you saw enough passing to think, well, maybe, maybe he could play some point. And we're starting to see it right now. And, yeah, he's got some things to work out, obviously. But, it his look, it's worked out a lot better than the Jacob Evans backup point guard experiment. And, like you said, his feel <laughs> for the game, his, his passing feel is – it's real. It's not something that you're hoping yeah. works out. Like, it is there. So, you can see that there's – they're working with something at the very least. Now, how it works out in the long run, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if they try and bring in a, a, a veteran ball handler – in the uh, off season, just because, you know, Steph and Clay usually, or excuse me, Steph and Draymond usually play together. So that's, you know, your two primary ball handlers off the court at the same time as well. Now, if not, that's, that, you know, shows that they trust Jordan Poole a ton. Um, and also real quick, not to keep talking about Zach Norvell, but it's also part of why I thought he might stick around because Jordan Poole is working in this point guard uh, experiment that, you know, Zach Norvell could be an option at shooting guard. But then again, I don't know if you wanted to go as young and et cetera. We'll see what happens in the off season. Uh, but I, I like the move because bottom line is, you know, the only other person they had behind him was Kai Bowman, who has had an up and down season. And they're more invested in Jordan Poole working out than they are Kai Bowman, honestly. Who do you like as maybe the, if you had to choose between Jordan Poole and Kai Bowman as Steph's backup, because they bring different things. I think Kai Bowman he he provides a sort of intensity and a microwave scoring ability that Jordan Poole doesn't mm-hmm. really provide. Jordan Poole, to me, 
in a strange way. I know he's drafted for, for his shooting ability, but he's less of a scorer than Kai Bowman is. Kai Bowman's got this like ability to just slash and has great instincts for getting to the rim and using his body. And, and Jordan Poole uh, seems just a little bit more of a more apt to just pass the ball off and just play within the offense. Uh, but I think both of those things are very valuable for Kai just to break the offense and go get a bucket for you when Steph's on the bench versus Jordan Poole just sort of maintaining status quo, which is, you know, to a certain level, you don't want that because that's kind of what got Jacob Evans in trouble. He wasn't forcing anything. Yeah. Um, not to say Jordan Poole's at that level. I mean, he had this incredible spin move against the Rockets. Like, I just, again, there's yeah. a couple of flat, like, I know that the Warriors lost by like a bajillion points, but there was a couple <laughs> of plays that I was just like, I left like really impressed. And that's sort of what you're looking for at this point of the season for the Warriors. So for sure. uh, who do you like, I guess, as, as projecting forward, if you had to pick between Jordan Poole, Kai Bowman for Steph's backup? I mean, uh, oh, that's tough. I, I guess I would go Jordan Poole because just he can kind of run the offense a little better. I'd like to see them in the backcourt together and let Kai Bowman be the Kai Bowman from earlier this year because he was scoring the ball mm-hmm. well, scoring it efficiently. And, you know, you've heard me mention it throughout the season when they, they sent him down to kind of turn him into a more – traditional point guard you know his offense fell off he's still kind of trying to get the feel for it of when he should shoot when he should drive when he should pass and now it's he's inefficient he's missing a lot but at the beginning of the year he was averaging like 16 points uh on 40 percent from three was a a great score well great strong but a a very good score and now he's kind of lost it so i'd be interested to see them playing together and letting kai bowman be you know, the small off guard and, and Jordan Poole being the, uh, the, the point, the traditional point. But as far as a primary backup, I'm probably going to go Jordan Poole. Cause at the same time, as you mentioned, um, you know, he's not quite the microwave scorer. I still believe in his shot and some of his ability uh, to, to develop and, and, you know, be able to get buckets on his own. The Warriors play the Pelicans on Sunday. And so one of my, one one of the things I was intrigued by going into that Rockets game uh, was just watching the Rockets and their small ball situation. And it was a lot of fun to watch. And I really enjoyed watching, of all people, Russell Westbrook in that format. Mm-hmm. And so for me, selfishly, that's sort of what my motivation is going forward, other than that it's my job. But also, uh, I need to find a way to have fun during these games. Some of it is Jordan Poole spin moves. Some of it is watching Andrew Wiggins' uh, acclimation project. But uh, also, it's watching the opponent, and I am stoked to see Zion Williamson. Who guards Zion yeah. Williamson if you're the Warriors? Do you even bother putting Draymond Green on him, or do you just not even risk it? I mean, maybe just throw Eric Paschal into the fire and say, deal with him. You're young. Figure it out. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll see Draymond on him some, but I, I doubt Steve Kerr is going to play it like that where he's on him the whole game or matching, you know, matching minute for minute or anything. Uh, Zion's going to get his, man, and uh, the Rockets got theirs for sure. So, it, you know, I don't know. Zion's been been crazy. Do you think that he will have a shot at Rookie of the Year, yes. or is he just missed yes. too many games with John Moran as well as he has? You don't does think not, well, okay. No, it does not matter. And I look, it's, I, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I just know it doesn't matter. We This is yeah. the this is the, the universe of recency bias. And he has been so freaking good. I have maintained all season long. Everybody's like, oh, he'll not win. He's not going to win rookie. It's John Morant. I was like, uh, have you been alive on earth for like the last decade? We don't <laughs> care about any of this stuff. It's like if he's playing well for 10 games, if he goes off for 30 points, 
you know, in eight of 10 games, he's going to get the award. And I don't like, he just will. That's just, that's the world. That's the media landscape we live in. It doesn't, this stuff doesn't matter anymore. I always thought he had a literally an earthquake. There's an earthquake at in the <laughs> arena, so I'm just hoping that doesn't happen or Joe Lacob's going to be very upset. We'll have a recap of the Warriors-Pelicans game on Monday. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Lockdown Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Thanks for listening. Hey, Bay Area sports fans. This is Ben Kaspic, host of the Locked On Giants podcast which should be the next Locked On podcast you fire up in your feed. The MLB offseason is closing in, and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked On Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.